What makes a law firm? It's about passion, knowledge, understanding, and service. That's what defines Fluxman's. In this podcast series, we take you behind the desks of some of South Africa's smartest legal minds. Rashad Lisinski is a partner here at Fluxman's Attorneys. He has been here for how many years is it now? Almost 10. Wow. Okay. So we're celebrating uh, anniversaries. Um, and you qualified. I see you were on the dean's list, so you're no, uh, you're no slacker when it comes to making sure that you're on top of, of everything there I is. I don't know how I made it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the really smart people always say that. Um, your, your interests, though, are, I think, the things that you and I are going to end up talking quite a lot about. But you are primarily involved in commercial litigation. Yes. You focus on communications, info technology, uh, media, privacy law, and you've just recently completed your master's in artificial intelligence. Yes. Which is pretty fascinating. Did that have anything to do with law at all, or was it uh, a whole different field that you can eventually incorporate back into the law? Unfortunately, there's not really much that's been uh, already established in that field. So it's just pretty much breaking ground and understanding the new the new stuff out there. Well, that could be exciting. I mean, pioneering artificial yes. intelligence law. Um, usually the, the law follows these trends and then far Correct. behind the law is the politicians. So generally what we do in South Africa is we watch what happens overseas. Right. And then five to ten years later we do it ourselves. Um, that's That's primarily what interested me in this field is that there's literally been no studies done on it from a legal perspective. Um, the regulation is in its infancy. Um, we're basically using old regulation, uh, if, if there's any that exists, to try and uh, put it in the box of AI. So ultimately I, I see, foresee the next five to ten years being uh, uh, a pioneering ground for new regulation. Well, I mean, AI... What do you, what do you think the, the major areas of interest are going to be there when it comes to formulating regulation around it? I mean, it goes everywhere yes. from what is a person. It's so what, wide, Gary. Yeah. What is consciousness? You know, yes. all that kind of thing. Cause we're going to have to define these things now, which we hadn't had to mm. worry about before we knew what a human was. So, so we've got a mechanism in South Africa for a separate legal entity, um, having some form of uh, legal personality, i.e. a company. Um, that's basically the only starting point we have. Um, overseas, they've already given uh, AI tech uh, citizenship. In Saudi Arabia, there's a robot That's called right. Sophia, um, which is pretty creepy to watch. But ultimately, I think they're going to start uh, looking like humans, acting like humans. Would it be a juristic person? I mean, it couldn't be called a natural person. Yes, it, that's that's exactly the point, is that uh, we're going to have to almost fashion some form of legal personality for this person, particularly when uh, machine learning is so prominent and they can basically start doing their own things autonomously. Mm-hmm. Think about how much a phone already does for you now. Yes. It's an extension of your personality, but it could develop its own way of doing things. Exactly. And it, and it learns from what you say to it. It starts, uh, it starts recommending uh, food yeah. that you should eat. I mean, it does everything for you. D- does that make you nervous or does it make you excited? Because when you talk to some of the guys in Silicon Valley and you hear what they have to say, they're, they're, a lot of them are very, very nervous about what the future of AI could bring. Look, I'm an optimist. I don't like to look at that side. Obviously, you've got to be cognizant of it. But uh, I really hope that uh, that there'll be some proper regulation of it and that they're tested properly on platforms before it's made live. I mean, they're already doing it in America. 
um, in Europe to some extent where they're testing autonomous cars. Um, and uh, the funny thing is that the public seems to be very, very negative about it. One accident happens on a road and it's the end of the world. But, yeah. I mean, we have thousands of accidents happening every month right. on our roads with human drivers. And AI makes one mistake and that's the end of the world. Well, it's like flying. You know, yes. people, people, some people are terrified and paranoid about flying. It's the safest way to travel statistically. Yes. Correct. So when it comes to privacy and media law and personal information and, and all of that stuff, you must have done some really interesting cases in the last couple of years since the Internet's become the main means for people to share information. Um, there have got to be some stories or some precedents that have been made um, in cases that you might have, have, have led where people's information has been compromised, where we've had to establish new law, where perhaps judges have had to be educated by a lawyer mm. as to what this all means, because a lot of the judges might be even more technophobic than, than you know, the people who we would normally look at in society and laugh at. Sure. I mean, if, if you look at the way the system's currently run, it's all paper-based. Um, I'd love for a time where there might be a judge that would actually understand this kind of stuff, not necessarily having a degree in it, but being exposed to it. It would make it a lot easier for us as legal practitioners to explain it. At the moment, I have to, to put up a whiteboard and start from the beginning. <laughs> Do you have to explain to some of them what uh, a smartphone is? I mean, are there judges who are still on landlines? <laughs> don't have, you don't have to be nice. None of them, none of them are going to listen to a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Look, I, I mean, uh, we've had very interesting matters where judges uh, – just don't get it, oh. and, and that's really that's that's really unfortunate because uh, then the only person that loses is the client. But a lot of people don't get it, and I don't think a lot of people completely understand the protection of person, the Poppy Act, the Protection of Personal Information yes. Act. Um, I don't think a lot of people are aware of what the risks are in sharing the amount of information you share. We we are only just coming to grips now, and certainly the Americans have by hauling Mark Zuckerberg in front of Congress. But how, how do you think most South Africans behave and how should they behave? I mean, I'm asking for free legal advice here for everybody. Mm, I'll keep it short. Lou, <laughs> <laughs> um, you raise uh, Mark Zuckerberg in the, the Cambridge Analytica scandal. I mean, that's just ridiculous. If you think about the fact that so many users were completely innocent in the whole thing, 270,000 people took a, a random quiz from Cambridge Analytica and 50 million people's uh, info was compromised. I mean, that's, that's crazy. And, and, and the fact that we haven't really regulated yet, I mean, we've only got Section 14 of the Constitution, which deals with privacy, and it's difficult to enforce. It's, it's just nuts. And uh, I don't think companies have really appreciated that it's, it's more – it's more of a reputational issue. Someone, if you look, for example, with the recent Liberty Life uh, incident. What happened? Uh, Liberty Life was uh, compromised by uh, ransomware, um, and they sent uh, SMSs out to their clients saying, don't worry, uh, this has happened, uh, but we don't foresee that any of your information has been lost. Now, as a client... Um, I'm not sure that I'd be comfortable with that. It's uh, sensitive information. You've got policies, sure. life policies. You've got all of your information there, your ID number, your, your the amount address. you earn, your address. Sure. Um, most, most companies don't appreciate uh, that it's, uh, it's a reputational, it's reputational damage. Um, 
when when I hear from you that there's been a breach, I feel completely exposed. Mm. Um, and if you write to me and say there's no financial implications, I don't care. My my personal information is a commodity. It's right. the biggest commodity there is right now. You don't walk around with a big sign around your neck with your ID number and your telephone number and your salary and everything else on it. Nor would I want to. But a lot of people, and let's be fair here, because we we tend to blame corporations and governments, but yes. individuals give away their information all the yes. time. You, you go on an app, and the next thing, you've given them complete access to every bit of info on Facebook that you have about you, your messages, your logins, everything. Yes. and I, I mean, Facebook's terms and conditions, I don't think anyone's read them. You have. I have, but uh, I don't have anything. The only man in South Facebook. Africa who has. If you, if you get into trouble with Facebook, you better find this man. Yeah, tell us, tell us what they say. They basically say you grant Facebook the right to use your personal information, although you still own it, in inverted commas, in a vast number of ways. One of which being to generate revenue by de-identifying your personal information. Hmm aggregating it with other Facebook users' personal information and then selling that aggregated data to third-party advertisers. So in other words, they'll gather all your info, but they won't necessarily attribute it to you personally. Correct. So the de-identifying is basically taking all the personal elements out of it. Your name, uh, your age exactly, uh, your ID number, anything that can identify you personally. But we should still be a little bit nervous, right? Sure. And everybody thinks they're posting their photos, they're putting up their status updates, they're having their little poll answered. Actually, you're doing all of that to create content for Mr. Zuckerberg. And you love it. It's free. I'm not paying for this service. I'm just using data. It's not free. So what's the worst thing that could happen and what's the best thing that could happen? The worst thing that could happen is exactly what happened with Cambridge Analytica. You electronically brainwashed to vote for someone that you don't want to actually, that shouldn't actually be in office. Crooked Hillary. (laughs) (laughs) You get my point. Yes. (laughs) And the best thing that could happen? The best thing that could happen is that everyone uh, contacts each other all over the world. We know what's happening with all of our friends, sure. and it's a lovely, happy-go-lucky environment. People meet on Tinder and all yes. that kind of thing. Yes, right? absolutely. But but the world is not benign. No. And, That's why and we have lawyers. All, correct. And there will always be a way to manipulate something, a system like that. So what's the status quo with all the other social media? So with the scandals that have gone on, they've all kind of followed suit. Okay, WhatsApp and and Instagram are owned by Facebook, so they obviously have the same terms and conditions in that respect. Sure, but WhatsApp's slightly different because your data is encrypted from end to end. So so no one's really getting access to your information. I think people would be most nervous about WhatsApp being cracked. Yes. Right? More a, than, a lot more of politicians any, in South Africa. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people in business in South Africa. I think yes. a lot of people full stop. Yes. A lot of husbands and wives who aren't being honest with each other. Correct. Um, and, and then the others is more or less the same. Yes. Do you think South Africa, when it comes to our level of preparedness for these kinds of things, you mentioned the Liberty one earlier, do you think that we've got enough people who know how to handle situations where where people's information is compromised, where privacy is infringed upon. Definitely not. Do we have enough case law no. to help us navigate this? No. Um, listen, it's it's basically in its infancy, like I said. They're, they're trying to, 
that's that's the way we work in the legal profession is we rely on that case and we rely on that precedent and until uh, a date that uh, there's actually a, a functioning act currently we've only got uh, the regulator who's been in since December 2016 mm-hmm. um, now the GDPR has come in uh, the crazy thing is that, uh, sorry to go off on a sidetrack, but companies don't appreciate that the GDPR is far more dangerous than poppy right? What's the GDPR? The General Data Protection Regulation that was promulgated in Europe. It affects a lot of companies in ah, South Africa. That's where we had to re-agree to all the terms and conditions a yes. couple of months ago. So you'll see if you go on an international okay. site. Yeah. Um, you have to accept. Right. The and then new terms and conditions. Yes. Oh. So... Aren't those meant to protect us more? That's what the politicians told us. Absolutely. So what I was trying to get at is that Poppy, what what they've done now, and what I think the regulator is doing is waiting to see what happens with that act, how it's enforced, etc. So I don't think we're looking at Poppy coming in anytime soon, certainly not this year. What were the main concerns you had as an objective outsider to Poppy? Predominantly that, uh, that we wouldn't be able to enforce it. That it would be like a number of acts in South Africa where you appoint a body that's meant to enforce these things and they don't actually have any teeth. So I'm hoping that all of the exposure that's happening overseas, uh, actually has a positive impact on the enforcement of our act. Um, the, the interesting thing is that the GDPR has a huge penalty uh, for not complying. I mean, it can be up to 4% of an of entity's turnover wow. or 20 million euros, Wow! whichever is the greater. So I think, as in with other acts in South Africa, once people start getting fined, people will pay attention. Hmm. But isn't that another way for governments to just find income? It doesn't seem that they're going to sort out the problem. They're just going to find these companies, yes. make them responsible, pass the buck, and then take some bucks from them in return. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. So, I mean, that's, that's another concern. Not a solution, another problem. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, are there people in South Africa who are working on this stuff at the moment? I mean, you mentioned that, that you did your master's in, in artificial intelligence. I can't imagine that, that many people who are, who are specialists in this area. No. I mean, there's a lot of tech uh, lawyers dealing with it, trying out the system in law firms. In reality, there's no one that's actually looking at the regulation yet. I'm sure they've thought of it, but there's no, there's no, there's no specific body uh, that's been created. And, and that's, a bit, that's a bit scary because... So you're, you're going into an area of law now, and you've been in, obviously, an area of law now, which is kind of lonely because there are not that many people in it. Yes. It's, you're, you're walking around blind because there isn't a lot of precedent or regulation to help you out. Correct. And you're going to be part of making that. There's going to be huge business here. Yes. Going forward. This is going to be an area of massive growth. I hope. So, I mean, you're kind of set up for some very exciting things to happen. Yes. What do you, who do you talk to if you, if you are in this lonely part of the legal profession? I mean, what do you do to relax? What do you do to get out of that, that, that place of, of, kind of trying to figure out so much? I tend to do things where I don't speak to anyone. Um, I like to, I'm, I'm a social person, but I'm, I'm actually quite introverted. Mm-hmm. So to relax, I'd go in a forest, um, I'd pick some mushrooms, not not the medicinal ones, All right. the ones you eat with pasta. Okay. Um, that was about to fishing. get very interesting. 
<laughs> I know I know which ones they are. But okay, yeah, <laughs> sure. Okay, I'll go fishing. Um, right. I'll go. I'll do something like bass fishing. You're an outdoors where, guy. Yeah. So I'll just uh, I'll I'll set myself up and then I'll go on a journey for the day and I'll just uh, and I'll speak to no one um, and I'll just fish. That's terrific. I suppose yeah. it gives you a chance to almost clear the mind and, yes. and get Nature. back to yourself. Uh, so that you can come back here and, and wrestle with these very complicated matters. Sure. Well, it sounds interesting. I'm very pleased we got some time to speak to you today. And uh, good luck with this extremely interesting part of the law. And uh, a part which it seems that, uh, you know, you're one of a very select few people who has any kind of idea of where it might be going. It's exciting. Thanks, Gareth. Thank you. You've been listening to Fluxman's Attorneys for the Love of Law. For more information, go to fluxmans.com.